And what's interesting, the agency usually comes back and says, this is amazing. How did you, this sounds like better than our music productions. This is like so authentic. This has grit. This seems like finding the Beatles in the garage. And I said, I said, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> I said, well, that that's what every agency guy wants. They want to find the Beatles in the garage or Coldplay or U2 or whatever and be able to say, I was the first one who heard this. Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. Sound plays a more important role in human behavior and our decision making than you may realize. In this podcast, I'll help you understand the art and science of sound so you can better influence others in business and your life. I'm your host, Jody Krangle. Let's delve a little deeper. Here's the first part of my interview with Uli Rees. My next guest left his hometown of Stuttgart to attend university in Los Angeles and start his career as an orchestra conductor, composer, and orchestrator in Hollywood, working on shows like Paramount's Star Trek The Next Generation and Disney's DuckTales. A lot has happened since then. He's an author, scholar, and co-owner of Sonic Branding Consultancy, AMP. He's a five-time Can Lion speaker and is considered one of the main thought leaders in the audio branding industry. From a lion to an Emmy, he has won almost every industry award possible for his work. Over the last decade, his book series, 101 Great Minds on Music, Brands, and Behavior, added a significant contribution to the education and understanding of sonic branding on both agency and brand side. Through over 200 conversations with the most influential leaders in marketing, his mission is to change the conversation we're having about sonic branding. His name is Uli Rees, and I have no doubt this conversation will be as fascinating as it is enlightening. So buckle up. As always, if you have questions for my guest, you're welcome to reach out through the links in the show notes. And if you have questions for me, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com, where you'll find a lot of ways to get in touch. Plus, subscribing to the newsletter will let you know when the new podcasts are available. And if you'd consider it, I'd love to hear what you think of the podcast. You can leave a review that I'd love to feature in future podcasts, either in written or in voice format from the podcast's main page. And now, here's my interview with Uli Reese. Well, it's so great to see you, Uli. I really appreciate your taking the time today. Thank you so much. Of course. Glad to be here. So how have you been? Yeah, it's been a while since we spoke. Yeah, that's right. Have you that's been right. doing well? Was it before or after Ken? Ken I Lines? think it was before. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, was, sure. that was quite an interesting um, experience. Uh, it, it was my 13th Ken, actually. I went there first time oh, really? like, like 30 years ago. And... Yep. Um, and it uh, it was a two two year break, um, and then so everybody kind of reconvened. And and what was really interesting was um, it used to be I thought about this uh, how it, how it was and you know thirty years ago it was it was um, guys getting together uh, saying you know I spent five million on this commercial or I got the Beatles or. <laughs> And then it wow. was kind of an inside. <laughs> it was kind of an inside club. And then you know, um, now it's like uh, the creator economy, and uh, and and I I felt like democratization of uh, creativity was happening. It was like if you That's have uh, 
if you have content that, that people want to see and you're in the Amazon, you you scale, you call the shots, you and, and it was was pretty, pretty amazing, a, a pretty big difference to to uh, when I was there first. Yeah, yeah. So I guess the, the type of people that are attending has changed over the years, too. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah. I mean, mm. it, it was uh, interesting. I, like Logitech, for example. Um, uh, I, I saw they, they have a, um, his name is Bradman Rock. He's a major influencer on, on YouTube, tens of millions of, of followers. And, and he's the first C-level hire, which is interesting. And it was not, you know, I want your clicks or, or um, it was, uh, it was, no, no, we want you, your, your input. We want your knowledge. And, and, uh, and it was, um, it's, it's really interesting what's, what's happening there now. And, uh, and it's, uh, it has uh, influence in so many different areas of, of behavior yeah. and, and of course, music too. I'm going to ask you a very basic question. Sure. When you say C-level, what do you mean by that? <laughs> C-level is chief uh, marketing officer. Chief oh, like creative, CEO, CMO. Uh, and, uh, or, uh, okay. or it's everything with okay. the C in front. It's... Um, okay, kind got of, it. Uh, yeah, that, that, no, 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 it's good. Good, please, please, please. Industry terms, I want to make sure people understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I definitely want to hear more about what's going on with, uh, with Ken, because that uh, must have been an uh, amazing experience, even if it's the 13th one. <laughs> but, uh, but going back, I want to ask uh, if you, I, I always start out my interviews with this question, because I like, I like the interesting answers that I get. And I was wondering what yours would be. Do you have an early memory of how sound moved you? Wow, of how sound um, I something I, you remember from your childhood, maybe I don't know what got you interested in sound in the first place. I mean, I know you have a background in film and all of that stuff, so was there something you heard or you know experienced in your early life that got you interested in this I don't kind know of thing? very, very early was I think the the clicking sound of Lego pieces i I, I, <laughs> okay. I always loved Lego. <laughs> Um, and, and, uh, I think just, just, um, I mean, my, you know, playing piano and, and writing and everything that, that came very early. Um, but, uh, that was not just sound, but the very first kind of, I would say product sound or, or sound that I really remember. And I was probably four four or five years old is Lego. And that got you interested in more? I mean, I, it's definitely a, a, a nice sound. I think a lot of us remember that sound. <laughs> yeah, what, 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 might be, a... what might be interesting in, in, in this respect is, is uh, that I had uh, piano lessons from when I was seven years old. Like, oh, wow. um, okay. like my three other siblings. Uh, I'm the fourth. And uh, I was just not interested in it. Uh, I... I thought, why, and this isn't, please don't get me wrong, there's no arrogance, but why should I read or play what other people wrote? I didn't get the concept. And um, I was also extremely lazy. And, uh, and, <laughs> and, he, and eventually, 
I understood, you know, kind of how that chord goes to that, goes to that. So the language, and then I realized I could, you know, add notes or whatever. And then I, I would make fun of my piano teacher and just play a C major, well-tempered piano, Johann Sebastian Bach, in, in, uh, with different inversions or adding notes and everything. And, and uh, it drove her crazy. And uh, I can imagine. And, and she uh, <laughs> she called my my dad and said he's unteachable. Uh, you know what what? what oh wow! He, he never does what I tell him to do. And then and then uh, one day I uh, I had it. I took a red, red ball pen and uh, and there were just two pages of music. And I basically said, okay, this is how I want this to be. And basically destroyed the entire score, took it to my piano teacher and, and put it, put it on the, on the, on the stand and said, so, so this is how, how I think this should be. And, and I'm, I'm nine years old. And she looked at me and she, she her, her jaw dropped to the floor and she said, Uli, Uli, one thing, Bach, Beethoven, Handel, all these guys, they're written in stone. You don't change them. They're iconic. And I said, why, why wouldn't I change them? Do you know if it, if it was his intention? And she, she just basically gave up. And so, <laughs> so, so the, yeah. the quick story yeah. then, then to that was, uh, that might be interesting is, um, uh, my dad talked to me uh, and he said, why, why are you doing this? And, and I said, because I'm really interested in how, how this goes together. And, and uh, he took me away from, from the piano lessons, and, but, but I kept playing just by myself. And I remember this 12th of June, 1975. I'm 12 years old and I went to see Jaws. Um, music by Steven Spielberg and I came home to my dad and I said this is what I want to do his name is Steven Spielberg I have no clue what he's doing but this is exactly what I want to do and this is there you go basically uh, this is the the whole story and then he said okay then I'll get you a score and then try to read music and and uh and you need to learn to conduct and and this is eventually what i do i did so it was um yeah it was uh, in a way pretty simple but uh because it was a kind of a tunnel vision but um it's never quite simple <laughs> is it <laughs> never quite no. no but i could definitely see the beginnings of that composer in you that that was just offended by not being able to change things i like, yeah. I like yeah. that a lot yeah, you're right i was i was offended i just didn't get it i thought the the language mm -hmm. i want to i want to learn the 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 letters and the syntax and how things go together and and it's interesting tonal based music you know, like Beethoven or Bach or whatever, uh, is pretty simple in terms of if you go through it in, you know, from 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 the second to the fifth to the one, to, it it's like how you break down big big scores. Beethoven's fifth, you can play at the piano, very simple, and and it sounds bombastic, of course. Uh, once it's orchestrated, but but um, the language is is um, is something 
Simplicity. It's like Apple. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I think that it takes a, a very almost musically three-dimensional mind to understand where all of that fits in, which I think is what composers do. I mean, they, they think about it in a broader sense because you're composing for a whole orchestra, right? You're yeah, not just composing yeah. for... It was, it was interesting because I, uh, I first went to... Um, I, I knew I wanted to write for film, so I did my, my, my school, finished that, and I knew... Mm, I want to go to the U.S. because uh, this was where things are were were made and and um, and I I went to uh, to two or three universities in New York and it was all like oh yeah we'll analyze measure eighty three of Beethoven's third and then we'll we'll understand the analysis and I was like no no. No, I, I. That's no, what no, you didn't want to do when you were nine. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, We're not going to do that. I said I want to get, I want to write music for film and television. And then one of the professors, I think from from uh, NYU, told me, well, there's a school only in Los Angeles called Grove School, and they have forty orchestra sessions a year, and they do nothing but getting people ready to work in the film industry. They're even people that have a PhD in music but they're not ready to work in the industry because it's like okay can you write three and a half minutes of dixieland music till tomorrow for these these people and can we record that and is that going to work and i said that's exactly what i want to do and and um so i so you went i went, I went and, and did that <laughs> it was interesting one of the first things was as you said three-dimensional thinking was um the uh, uh, Dick Grove, he, he, he said, look, and it was a composition arranging program. And he said, there's so many great musicians here, I know. But please start writing without an instrument. I don't care how good you are. If you're, I, I don't care. An instrument will always limit you. The biggest joke is, oh, I play incredible piano, therefore... I can write. He said that that will be always limiting because you will always write what you just played. But but orchestra is like leave the guitar outside and and start trusting your modular brain in in um, in, in that that's what will give you freedom. I know that we're all dealing with a lot of stuff these days, so I particularly wanted to acknowledge those that have taken the time to leave honest reviews of this podcast, like Elaine Grant, who called the show insightful, practical, eye-opening. As a veteran public radio producer and host, she says, and now an entrepreneur running a podcast consultancy, I thought I knew about the world of audio. Truth is, I knew just a small slice of this big and important world. I've learned so much from every episode. I need to re-listen and furiously take notes. I can't recommend audio branding highly enough. Thank you for taking the time to leave your comment, Elaine. It means so much to me. And now, back to the show. Yeah, that's really interesting advice. And and yeah, it does seem like it would be less limiting to not have a specific instrument in mind or to know where a specific instrument might come in, but you're looking at many different instruments instead of just yeah. one. Yeah. So yeah, and then movies. I mean, movie and film, that's like a whole other genre of writing music. Like, what are the differences, you think, between 
writing for film and writing for just like us, like a song that would go on the radio, like or or be streamed or <laughs> right now. <laughs> that's really what it is. <laughs> um, what What do you think the differences are? I think. I think the the difference is is I mean I mean because I also so lived in Nashville Tennessee and 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 was on a songwriting deal with a big uh, publishing house and and a song is about so you've seen both ends a, a song is about <laughs> attracting attention here come the chorus and and you know how how hooky can it possibly be and film is the opposite film is almost do not call attention to yourself most of the time, meaning be there and support whatever's going on. And, and, um, and, you know, that, especially when I worked on Star Trek Next Generation for three years, and it was, it was very clear um, that it, it should sound as if one person wrote it. So we were like 10 composers um, and each of us wrote like two or three minutes a week. And, and it was according to a very strict set of rules, meaning uh, Picard is on the, on the bridge, a uh, planet explodes, and you can only write in that range and the oboe only here because you need to stay out of his range. And, and it's, it's almost like opera. And, and it, um, it's interesting how this translates to sonic branding, what I'm doing today is that mm, the goal is for 193 episodes to sound, to be identifiable with your back to the television, getting a beer from the fridge. You need within two seconds to understand, oh, Star Trek is on, or The Simpsons, or Star Wars, or... You know, um, that is the trick. And, and, um, and I, I think that to me was always so fascinating where it sounds like out of, out of one glue, out of one, um, you know, it has a, has a, had a, a complex sonic style guide as we do today sure. for Mercedes or, 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 you know, MasterCard and, and, uh, it's very similar, actually. Yeah, that, that's interesting. So, so now you're working with, um, you know, Mercedes and Mastercard, and so the the consistency, I guess, of their sound has to be across the board, whatever they're implementing. Um, how how difficult is that to implement once you've got the the audio brand? Like, what happens? Because I, I talk with a lot of people about audio brands and, and I love hearing about all of the little nuances that go into creating it. And, and we will definitely talk about that. I look forward to talking more about that. But I'm curious about the implementation because that always tends to be the thing that's the most difficult to happen after the audio brand is created. So so how how did, let's say... How did MasterCard do this? So they're implementing now, yeah, right? Uh, so how are they implementing your sound? Great point. Um, it is, uh, uh, they implemented in 183 countries. Now, now it, that's, a that's lot. not like US and then we're, you know, um, and, and you need to get them on board. If, 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 if there's not, serious benefit 
to the organization globally, you will be not supported. Neither on agency side nor on brand side, it'll just, you know, people will, will you, you can't force them. Let's put it this way. But um, when, you, when they see this brings me immediate advantage, um, then it becomes a lot easier. And, and you need to, you can't just drop it on them. You need to kind of yeah. take them by the hand and guide them through and show them how this can be implemented and, and how this can make their life so much easier. You know, like, like give you an example. Um, MasterCard has, has something called the Sonic Space. And uh, it's basically a repository of all Sonic assets that they own. And, and, uh, and, and content creators for MasterCard can access this all around the planet. And they have like a Netflix dial in and then, then you, can, you, you can access this. And, and, and this is growing, growing. And everything that's in there is owned outright by the brand and is a derivative of the Sonic DNA. And, and what, what makes this really cool uh, for especially agencies um, is uh, a lot of agencies are, are very skeptical when it comes to Sonic branding. You know, because they say, oh, my God, he's going to put I've a Sonic noticed. logo on everything. <laughs> and then we and I said, I, I'm, you know, I'm this is not about uh, uh, above the line. You know, this is not about your your 7 p.m. TV spot. It, it's like this is about everything else. So but but if you if you and I will never dictate to you what you do or cannot do. But please, here's a login and check it out. And what's interesting, the agency usually comes back and says, this is amazing. Well, how did you, this sounds like better than our music productions. This is like so authentic. This has grit. This seems like finding the Beatles in the garage. And I said, I said, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> I said, well, that, that's what every agency guy wants. They want to find the Beatles in the garage or Coldplay or U2 or whatever and be able to say, I was the first one who heard this. But, but, but we said, why don't we do exactly that? Because we believe it's not authentic to have one guy writing 20 different styles in a music production. That's viscerally, we'll, we'll always feel it's not authentic. And and so we we went the other way and said this is more headache to to write with the beatles when they're still in the garage because they're not used to 20 changes but it's much 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 more uh, authentic and 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 this is this is really interesting uh um, this is what we do till today with hundreds of composers worldwide where um they basically you know, contribute to these sonic spaces and write music, you know, inspired by the DNA. It's almost, it's, it's like James Bond. It's like, you know, Billie Eilish writing a Bond song. Yeah. Adele writing a Bond sure. song. It's based on the sonic DNA of, of Bond. And we do yeah. basically that, but going into 35 different consumer touch points. That, that's huge, first off. But also, aren't they doing an album? They've done an album, haven't they, yeah. MasterCard? They've put like a music album out. 
How did that come about? What was the what was the thought process behind deciding to do that? Because it's not not the usual thing a brand would do, right? <laughs> well, but, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I, I always have to credit uh, Roger Roger Manar, the the CMO of Mastercard, because his, um, you know, his openness to be really disruptive and to 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 um, really have something new. Um, uh, he was one of the first guys to completely understand um, that the Sonic logo-based Sonic branding is not going to fly into the future. That that he needs something different uh, to show up in all of these new touch points. That is flexible. That is, um, you know, has longevity. Something that he owns outright. The IP. You know, what we don't know. Uh, what would you know? What, what's difficult to see is that that most music um, that's used by brands is not owned. They own the T-shirt, but they don't own the body that wears the T-shirt. They might own twenty versions of that T-shirt, but they still don't own the body, the IP. And that is tricky when you go into different experiences like metaverse or uh, different touch points. It's like when you don't own your stuff, it's difficult. And and what what Raja and Mastercard did was was so enormous because the reality is that there has been no evolution in Sonic branding for thirty years. Intel came on the market in ninety four. Wonderful. And it worked like dynamite in a world where reaching the consumer with a TVC was enough. And to have a three-second static logo, that's enough. That's, that's okay. I'm done. Check. Fast forward 30 years, there still has been no evolution. Meaning in, in visual branding, it, you, know, you don't just have a business card. You have an entire experience. And... And, you know, in Sonic, you have then what? Stock music that's brand agnostic, you know, non-exclusive. You have composed music, doesn't build Sonic brand equity. And then you have licensed mm -hmm. music standing next to the cool kid, hoping for a credibility transfer. All of this is not an evolution in terms of, well, how do I show up on 30 different touch points? And, and, and that music needs to be so flexible that I can go into 20 different genres, like James Bond does, into decades, because I guarantee fashion will change. That, that's, that's a guarantee. But if you own the body, it doesn't matter. You just wear different fashion. That's it. Are you looking for ways to improve your company's or podcast's impact? You'd be surprised how powerful the use of an intentional audio branding strategy can be. Want to know more? I have a free downloadable PDF that gives you my five tips for implementing an intentional audio strategy at voiceoversandvocals.com slash audio dash branding dash strategy. That location does ask to put you on a mailing list just to send you updates on when the new podcasts come out. But if you really don't want to give your email out, I understand. Just contact me directly. My email is all over my website. And I'll make sure you get that PDF without needing to sign up anywhere. 
If you do sign up though, you also get access to a resources section called The Studio, where I have videos, white papers and PDFs, discounts from my guests and snippets of audio from my guests that no one else gets to hear. So maybe it's worth your while, totally up to you. And of course, if you're looking for voiceovers, you can get in touch with me about that too. Now back to the podcast. That is that is really um, what what what's what's absolutely fascinating to me is that you know Adele writing a Bond song stays completely authentic Adele, but what happens here is that she goes on eyes level with the brand James Bond and she uses the harmony. She doesn't even use melodies, nothing, just the harmony. She uses one piece of the Sonic Acid toolbox in right Skyfall. And within a second with closed eyes, we understand that's a Bond song. But what's interesting, Adele doesn't bend. Adele stays Adele and Billie Eilish stays Billie Eilish and Duran Duran yeah. and Garbage and 25 different, you know, uh, uh, top 10 yeah. musicians because that's what they all have in common. They're all top 10, okay? They're, they're all megastars in their time. But that is the brilliance. And this is basically where MasterCard completely turned around and said, okay, I want to get onto eyes level with an artist the old world is oh we'll we'll take a song slap it on top of the brand and pray for a credibility transfer that's old world licensing a 32 billion dollar business which is licensing music to brands that's unsustainable that's a sugar high that's 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 all these things that are it's a creative muscle memory that we learned as brands, that we learned as agencies. And we still, if you're an intern today in New York at BBDO, what do you learn? Licensing. It's only good if, if there's a touring artist. If the, and, and I say, I don't think so. And this is where, where MasterCard basically said, no, I want to be like James Bond. I want it to be an honor for an artist to write a MasterCard song. And people would, would you know, we would look at this and say, no, 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 it's, it's just a brand. And I would say, what do you mean just a brand? You know in how many countries uh, brands are more trusted than their governments? And you, and you just say yeah. just a brand? I mean, I mean, please come again if, if you think that. And, and, and I always, always start the story with a brand where I said, you need to stop associating with sonic pop culture and start creating sonic pop culture. It's a huge difference. Associating is standing next to the cool kid. Creating is, hi, I'm MasterCard. Here's my sonic toolkit, dear Travis Scott. Can we get into a co-creation process on ice level where you carry the brand, MasterCard, but also the brand of the artist and have this in a credible, good sense instead of, uh, uh, we'll, we'll just take something and put it on top of the brand. That's the old world. 
that's 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 that thirty-two billion dollar business that to me is is great. Don't get me wrong. People always say, "Oh, you hate licensing." I said, "Not at all, not at all." If you have a Super Bowl spot and you want to support an authentic narrative, by all means, license Bob Dylan or the Beatles. Check. I would never ever put a, Son a Sonic logo in that because it supports the narrative. On, a, on an automotive line with 32 uh, consumer touch points and has 13 car fares a year that he has to, you know, and uh, no. Somebody that, that posts four TikToks a day, no. Somebody that, that posts, we don't realize the amount, the sheer amount that a brand like that has to come up with in terms of audiovisual content. Oh, yeah. It's enormous. There's a ton. It's going up exponentially. Yeah. And it's like, now, now, how are you going to show up there? This is, so many CMOs say, this is the, the best ever. I have all these opportunities to reach consumers. They, they consume content on different platforms. But how do I show up there? Because all I have, again, is a Sonic logo, a licensed and stock and, and composed. But, but what am I going to do there? And then on top of that, what do I, if I don't own it in a metaverse, what, what then? You know, because, because the, that future, you know, you, need, you cannot build on sand. You need to build on a solid rock to be able to make your brand sonically future-proof going into decades and being totally independent of length or location where, where this happens. And, and, and this is, you know, I mean, think about just the global YouTube channel of a major car manufacturer. We have 10 uploads a day with an average of at least five rights holders per upload. So you'll have 50 different rights holders for one day all over the planet, no cost control, no quality control, no plagiarism control because of sound-alike practices. And then do that times 365. And that's your reality. And that's only YouTube. That's not all the other platforms. And, and that's where we need a solution. And that cannot be, oh, we'll have a sound logo. You, you see what I mean? This has been part one of our interview. I hope you'll tune in next week for part two. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available in all the usual locations. Until next time.